Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Without trucks, Audacious would not be happening right now. Isn't that something? I mean, of course you needed someone to transport whatever it is that's amplifying my voice into your brain, right? And I needed someone to get me this mic and this laptop to record on. And you know, why stop there when I think back to the fact that I was born via C-section? I guess I owe my whole life to trucks. And mom, thanks mom. And whatever snazzy equipment Hartford Hospital needed to get me here safely so that my voice could be inside your brain. Every year, trucks transport billions of dollars of materials and goods across the country, more than rail, boat, and air. Other kinds of truck drivers keep things moving too, like tow truck drivers. I mean, unlike the drivers bringing you your shiny new toys, Maybe you're not totally excited at the prospect of needing a tow truck, but when you do, and when they get there, they're a big part of resolving a problem. Now, picture who's driving these trucks. What do they look like? What do they sound like? I think a lot of it has to do with attitude. I love helping people. I'm fortunate because my heart's in it. Fewer than 10% of truck drivers are women, and today you're going to meet three of them. You'll get to know a woman who runs a CDL training school. And you'll hear about life on the road from a truck driver who happens to be a trans woman. But let's get it started in the commuter lot at Sandy Hook, Connecticut, as I hopped up into the cab of a Hino tow truck, piloted by Chantel Comerford. She's a driver for Megan's Towing out of Danbury, and she's the only one in their fleet who's female. We buckled up, safety first, and she told me about how her stepfather taught auto mechanics. And before she could even take her driver's license test... He taught her all about maintaining a vehicle, how to change the oil, brakes, and tires. Doing all that really gave me like this pure interest and, and enjoyment in working on cars and, and learning how they work, and it, I just love it. And so this is kind of like a different aspect of that, where you know I, I love helping people. I'm a volunteer firefighter as well, um, so I just that that's who I am. I love helping people, and you know this is. What better avenue to go to than help people? I mean, people are stuck on the side of the road, you know? Yeah. Here I am. You know, what do you need? What can I do for you? I mean, I just, it's awesome. You know, I mean, the the road, it's it's like such windshield therapy. I mean, <laughs> honestly, the amount of views that I've seen and, like, the places I've been are just amazing. Absolutely incredible. I've never seen so many sunrises or sunsets before doing this job. What are the hours like? long (laughs) they are uh you know they vary um every day is different so i normally start after my daughter gets on the bus and then work till whenever it's done so they're they're normally 12 hour days yeah Um, is it is it five days a week six six yeah what are you doing (laughs) i work i work six days a week yeah when it comes to this job and the people you're coming to help, like you, you're the superhero coming in with a solution, the next, the next solution to their problem, right? It sucks that their car is messed up. Yep. 
but you're there to help. You arrive. You might as well have a cape on. Do you ever encounter people and their reaction to you is surprising? Absolutely. Um, there's a severe tow truck driver shortage right now. And a lot of times the insurance companies aren't going back with the ETA that we are actually giving them. So they're cutting our ETA down. And they're letting these customers know, oh, your driver's 10 minutes out, when I'm really across the state still. So I'll get on scene and, you know, people will be like, I've been waiting two effing hours. You know, this is BS. I mean, I get cursed up and down all day long. And it's like, and you know, I say to all these people, I'm like, I I'm here to help you. Don't be like that. that. It's so not necessary. You know, I get it. You're stressed. I'm stressed too. You have to be strong, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally to deal with people on the level that we're dealing with them. You know, I mean, you, you have to have a strong personality and, and be strong mentally to, you know, take all those FUs all day long. You know, I mean, it, it, it's a lot. It does become a lot. There's our car. Oh yeah, that white one? Yeah, so I just gotta turn around real quick. We're almost there. How exciting. So when you see the car, like, does your heart skip a beat? <laughs> I get excited. I do get excited. Because there have been times where, you know, we've been dispatched to, to calls and the car's not there. I'm like, what? Where, where'd it go? What do you do when the car's not there? I mean. Um, just take pictures to, to say that we were there. Alright, so we're pulling up in front of this vehicle. What kind of car is it? It is a 1990 Mazda. So this had the keys in it? Yeah, they, they left it under the mat. Mm. But I guess I wouldn't really have to worry about getting, <laughs> getting stolen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, what we do is if the customer was here, we'd ask for a signature. And we take pictures and we go around the car just making sure to get, you know, the dents or scratches or whatever. That way we don't get blamed for that stuff because a lot of times people will say, oh, well, that dent wasn't there when, you know, I dropped it off. Um, so what we do now is we'll drop the bed and I'll show you how that works. Okay. So the bed's been lowered to slightly underneath the front bumper, and you've got these two massive, very beautiful hooks. <laughs> yes. They're very pretty. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. What are you doing now? So now I am going to hook the car. You got to lay on the ground. Feed it through the front. And then I get down here, I lay under, and I grab the control arm. The control arm? It's uh, attaches to the frame of the vehicle. Okay. Something you know won't break. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do all vehicles have a control arm? Yes. Okay. That's good to hear. You always want to hook underneath and then put tension on the line. Because if you don't put tension on the line, that car is rolling backwards. So you always want to make sure it's tight. And that way, when you get to go to put it in neutral, it's only going forward. Never rolls back. Safety first. Have you ever seen that happen in real life? No. Good. I have not. <laughs> I would not want to see that happen. I, I would not. I mean, uh, that's scary, honestly. We do have a slow down move over law in Connecticut, but nobody obeys it. Ever. Okay, so you're saying that as a tow truck driver, 
you know, we're on the side of a road. It's not a very busy road, but it's, there's traffic. There's cars coming both ways right now. Right. So tell me about this law. Watch how much room he gives me though. That's it. Yeah, that's scary. It is scary. Scarier on a highway. Oh my God. On a highway, nobody moves over. I've picked up on 91 and it's a three lane highway and people still insist to be in the lane right here where I'm working. Why can you not move over to the next lane? I don't know. Does the law say like move over one lane or a certain amount of feet? Like with cyclists, it's three feet, which is also kind of a joke, but is, what, is the, what are the parameters? I, I don't know the details of it. But please don't kill me, is basically Basically just give me enough room to work. You know, I mean, think about it. Say, look, we're flying. We don't even slow down. We don't even slow down. I mean, there's somebody standing right here in the road. You don't even slow down. And, and that's honestly like the biggest challenge today is there, there's honestly no regard for human life anymore. And people just whiz right by you. Like, you know, you don't have a family that you want to go home to at night. And, and that's, that's hard. I mean, I can't tell you how many mirrors have, you know, touched the back of my shirt while I'm working. I mean, it's, it's scary. They don't think about it like that. Do you think they see you as less than? I don't know. I don't know if it's that or there's just absolutely just no regard. Like they don't think about you at all? Yeah. Not yeah. less than, just not yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a lot of people don't understand we're emergency responders as well because who are you going to call when your car breaks down? You're not going to call the fire truck. You're not going to call the ambulance and you're not going to call the cops because none of those three people are going to help you. You have to call a tow truck. And a lot of people don't understand that we're first responders as well. We have emergency lights as well. So please slow down and move over. You know, I mean, you slow down and move over for police. You slow down and move over for fire trucks. Why don't you slow down and move over for tow trucks? Same thing. A lot of people don't get that. All right, we got our girl. We got it. Well, I don't know what, I don't know why people, including me just then, assumed gender for a vehicle. I, I do that too, though. <laughs> I do, I do. So speaking of gender, how does it feel to be a woman in this industry? It feels good um, because a lot of times, like, when I call my customers, they're like, wait, you're coming to get the car? And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm the one coming to pick up your vehicle. And they're like, no way, I've never had a female tow truck driver before. And I was like, well, if you just wait a few minutes, I'll be right there, <laughs> you know? You'll experience exactly. the joy and bliss. Exactly. It, it's, there's, there's challenges in it, though, you know? I mean, some, some guys feel like it's just a guy's thing. Those chauvinist kind of males. Yeah, they still exist somehow. They, they do, they do. Uh, Dying breed, I understand. I hope. <laughs> Godspeed, Mazda. <laughs> now, I know we only spent a little time with this car, but I feel like when we, when we pull away, I'm going to miss it a little bit. Right? Do you ever feel that way? All the time. Really? All the time. I see these cars, and I'm just like... Oh, can you come home with me instead? You're so sweet. Right? It's like bringing a dog to the pound. Yeah, exactly. I feel guilty. Like, no. That's it. And that's it. You've done your job. I have, I have. How do you feel? I don't know. I haven't gotten enough cars yet. <laughs> you want more? I do. Like, I do. What's the next dopamine hit? It's like my drug. I love it. I mean, I just want more. 
I, it's funny because it'll be quiet for a little bit and like if I don't have a call in my phone already by the time I'm done dropping one off I'm on the phone with my boss do you have something else send me something give me something <laughs> and sometimes there just isn't anything to send and she'll be like I, I'm sorry but right now I don't have anything and I'm like no that that's like I, I need something I need something to do do you think people, because this is Megan's towing, do you think people call it like, oh good, I'd rather support a female owned and operated business than another one that I'm not sure or is owned by dudes? Um, so I've, I've had people like ask me for, for business cards and stuff like that when they find out it is a female owned company and there's female drivers. People, people seem to like that. Um, it seems to be a thing for people. I, I, I get asked a lot for, you know, business cards. And, oh, can I take a picture of your shirt? And, you know, just stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's... Like, I've never, you know, seen a female tow truck driver. I didn't know females owned, you know, a towing company. And I'm like, well, females can do anything. I mean, you know, like... It's not just guys. Right? Like, there, there's that stigma where, like, you know... This is such a male-dominated field that people are so shocked because the rarity in seeing a female tow truck driver is so big. So why do you think it is ultimately that you do this kind of work? It's almost like a sense of freedom, if that makes sense. I like being out here. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that I can't be in one place all day long. That's difficult. Um, you know, seven years being a custodian, it's like, let me out of this building, you know what I mean? But like here, it's, it's just a constantly changing environment, you know, constantly, you know, communicating with different people and, and, you know, having all these, you know, conversations and meeting all types of people and seeing all kinds of cars and learning something new literally every day is, is the best, the best. And what would you say to a woman who's hearing your voice and she's thinking, this might be something I'm into? What would be some advice for her? Just that, you know, I mean, I don't want females to be afraid to, like, try it, you know? I mean, just because it's a male-dominated field and, you know, you're a female and you want to try it and you're scared to try it, don't be scared, just do it. And you know what? Whatever happens, happens. But at least you say you did it. You tried it. Because, I mean, it is amazing. You know, going to Mass, going to New York, going to Rhode Island. I mean, it's, it's incredible going to all these different places. You know, you, you, you truly learn, you know, all the shortcuts and side roads. And it's, it's amazing. Well, Chantel Comerford, thank you for taking me for a ride in your super cool tow truck. Anytime. <laughs> the witch, it makes your job a cinch. That's why you call, why you call, why you call out for a toe. To toe, 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 Special thanks to Chantel and Megan Hydar, owner of Megan's Towing and Recovery in Danbury, for letting me ride along. 
And thanks to the Women in Trucking Association for connecting us all. We'll have links and pictures at ctpublic.org audacious. After the break, what does the owner of a CDL training school say truck drivers should do when little kids do that thing with their arm to ask them to blow their horn? Always honk your horn. Always. That's 101. You always honk that horn. That's in the first that course makes, Yes, school. that makes a kid's day. It puts a smile on their face, and you never know what that kid's story is. You get what I'm saying? Then meet a trans woman who's seen a lot of things in the trucking world, and is seeing even more since her transition began. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. When it breaks over, hits it gets stuck. That's when she does her stuff. And her stuff is more than enough. That's when you call and you call and you call a tow truck. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford Healthcare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford Healthcare. A lot of people struggle with sleep apnea and with CPAP machines. Dr. Carl Muller, a head and neck surgeon with Hartford Hospital, describes Inspire, a surgical alternative to the CPAP approach. Only about 60% of patients can tolerate CPAP real well. Inspire is a surgical alternative to CPAP. It's an outpatient surgery. It takes about two hours. And essentially what it does is it picks up when you're taking a breath and sends a two-second electrical pulse to the tongue, which causes the tongue to stick out a little bit and stiffen and prevent the airway from collapsing. Hartford Hospital has performed more than 200 Inspire therapy surgeries. If you've tried and failed with CPAP, you could be a candidate for this minimally invasive procedure. Patients with moderate to severe sleep apnea are candidates. There is a weight criteria, so you have to have a body mass index below 35, and you have to have to have tried and failed CPAP. To learn more, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today, we're getting to know women in the trucking industry. In a little bit, you'll meet a trans woman who's been a leader in this business for a long time, but only recently began presenting as the woman who she is. But right now, join me in the cab of a tractor-trailer with Michelle Howard. She owns and operates the affordable CDL training school in Colchester, Connecticut. Back in 1988, when she was a single mom, she decided to get her CDL license. By the way, CDL stands for Commercial Driver's License, which is what you need in order to drive large, heavy trucks. After she got hers, Michelle became the first female cement mixer driver in the state of Connecticut, and she loved it. I was working 14, 16, 18 hours a day because people would call and say, I don't care what time of the day it is, send me that girl. Because I could pour, I just had an eye for concrete. I could pour concrete. You didn't even need a rake, nothing. And I was in construction magazines. I was the only girl mixer driver in the state of Connecticut. And I did it for uh, 15 years. Michelle loved the whole trucking industry so much that in the year 2000, she decided to begin training people how to do it. So... I put up ad in the paper and I said, I need your CDL class A or B. I'll help you practice and you can use my truck for the test. I mean, I took sticks and I put them in the ground and make my course. I mean, I started with nothing. And uh, I started off doing a, a license here and there to now we do probably, I don't know, three to 400 licenses a year. And it's been a really good business. And the reason why... I'm fortunate in the business that I'm in is because my heart's in it. Like, if I didn't have it when I started off, I don't know where I would be. 
So I never forget where I come from. You know what I mean? And I love helping others. So it works out for everybody. And we're not corporate. So we get to be more on a personal basis with students. And each person that leaves here, you change the life that day. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I like what I do. Um, I lost my son during the midst of all this. He was 23 years old and he died of a heart attack at work. And I'll never forget it. I was out here on the course and I had a bad feeling like something happened. Like, I don't know, something happened on the job site where I just like almost got anxiety and I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of a person. And I got back here and my phone was blowing up and it was my sister. And I just knew not to answer Like I didn't, I don't know why. And finally, Lance Prentice, he was in the fire department here in town and uh, he's been friends with me forever. And I saw him call and I knew something was wrong. And I picked up the phone and uh, he told me out on the course and one of my drivers, I'll never forget him. He, when I got the call, I just went to the ground and that guy picked me up and he held me really tight into the door jam of the truck. He picked me up and he carried me to my dad. My dad was pulling in here in his pickup because my dad already knew. And he put me in my dad's truck and my dad drove me home. And And I think that's part of the reason why my heart's into what I do. Because I like to help people. You know what I mean? I want people to do to do good. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, Thank you. Um, I was going to ask, right before you started telling the story of your son, what was his name? Robbie. Yeah. Right before you were talking about your son, Robbie, I was thinking of asking what kind of people want to do this work? You'll get people who have their own business. They've already, they're established, they're doing well, and they either want to take a class B license and upgrade it to a class A so they can haul more equipment or whatever they're doing with their with their careers. Sometimes they're landscapers. And they have a class B license and they've been pulling trailers illegally and it's just now they got to, you know, button it up. Sometimes you'll get, you know, students that actually work for a company and they're getting their license to stay with that company. And then you'll get people that they've either been laid off, their companies have closed, they have nowhere to turn, and this is their way out. Nobody's getting this license to go to Disney World. They're all trying to feed their families. So the education part of it, it's not about getting a license. I'm not, everybody comes in gung-ho. Well, how long is it going to take me to get a license? How long is, I don't even care about your license. You're going to leave here with a license. I've never not been able to license somebody. The trick when you leave here is that you can drive a truck and you're comfortable in a truck. It doesn't matter how long that takes because everybody learns differently. So, you know, just getting a license is just a piece of the pie. You know what I mean? Once you're loaded and you're out there really doing it, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get hurt or you're going to hurt somebody else. You know what I mean? So it's very important to me that they are as educated as they can be when they leave here so they have a solid stepping stone to get out there and do it. I would love to hear, you know, you are a woman in this industry. You came up through the ranks as the only female uh, concrete mixer driver. And so you've seen a lot of dynamics between human beings. And so I'd, I'd love to just hear your reflections on being a woman in this industry. Um, this industry has been good to me. I have nothing but good to say about it. You're good to somebody else. They're going to be good to you. Do you know what I'm saying? And everybody should watch out for each other. Um, 
and, and help each other. I, uh, to this day myself, I mean, if I'm going home between here and my house and I see a truck on the side of the road, I don't drive by it. I stop. I do the right thing. And are you okay? Or can I get you anything? And, and that's how it's always, that's how I was raised. And that's how I treat people. And, and it usually comes back for you. But to me, a very tight, uh, brotherhood industry, I think, or sisterhood, whatever you want to Humanhood. Personhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was waiting for you, there were uh, two people who I perceived to be dudes and two people who I perceived to be ladies. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, are you seeing what, are, what is the ratio? A lot more now. There's more men here at our school than women, 100%. But in the past, I'm going to say five years, it's picked up quite a bit. What would you say the ratio is from um, and until now? I don't know. Every class we have lately has had a girl in it. So if you have seven to ten people in a class or whatever, you uh, there's always going to be a girl in the class. How does it feel when you see a woman come in? I love and... it. I love it. I love watching it. Yeah. I had a girl that called me up. This, this girl was my favorite. This kid calls me up, and I could tell she was a kid on the phone. And she says this with this little mousy voice, Is there any way I could get a CDL in ten days? And I said, In ten days? I said, what would make you think you could do that in 10 days? And she said, well, my dad owns a construction company. I said, and do you drive for him? No, but I've been around it my whole life. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I bursting this kid's bubble? I don't know. Maybe she could. So I said, why don't, instead of me teasing you, I said, why don't you come down to the school? Let me throw you in one of the trucks and let me just kind of see where you're at. I said, who am I to tell you? No, I don't know. Well, the kid came down here and I said to her, I don't expect it to be perfect because you've never been in my truck. You've never used my tandem axle trailer. Um, we use shorter trailers because the shorter the trailer, the harder it is. I said, so I don't expect a miracle, but I can tell in the first three minutes whether you got an idea what you're doing. And I said to her, why do you need a license in 10 days? And she said, well, she, and I don't know a lot about this, but she worked on the Maritime or something, some kind of boat that's out on the Great Lakes. And she had to leave to go to her job. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the kid came here every single day. I mean, camped out. She put her hours in and she had a license in 10 days. She was done. And I was so proud of her. I could not. She walked around. I just, I would, I just watched. I'd peek out my window and look, take a look at her. And she just moved right up. I mean, like it was nothing, but she did it. Did this career make you who you are or were you already this way and this career suited you just right or something else? Um, I've always been a giver by nature. Um, and I've always, always helped people, but this business has given me the tools to really do or be who I am. Do you get what I mean? And I don't think that I knew who I was until I got into the school. And I think after my son passing away and, you know, um, I don't know how to say it the right way, but, um, when you lose a kid, it changes you. Um, and not that it changed me and it made me be who I am, but you, you realize that life is very short. And through this process, I've lost students that were enrolled in school. One guy died the day before his test. I mean, I've seen some really crazy stuff. And I truly believe that the people that are here, you're changing their lives. And Every day matters. Do you get what I'm saying? So even though it takes a lot of my time, I get phone calls 
the other night I got one at 1.30 in the morning. The kid called because he thinks he wanted to switch from an A to a B and at 1.30 in the morning. So people are doing this and they're scared and they don't know what way to turn this. When you first start the CDL process, it's so overwhelming. Um, you know, I have students that the first day that they're outside, they start learning a pre-trip, they, uh, they come in, they're lost. And I, and I'll say to them, are you okay? You can see the look on their face and I'm never going to memorize. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Stop. Everybody does this. The first time you hear it, you're not even hearing what the instructor's saying. All that's going through your head is I'm never going to memorize. The whole picture is so overwhelming. That is what my point is, is that you have to make people super comfortable and people need to know you can do this because some people don't give themselves enough credit. I mean, I've had students that want to quit. I'm like, quit. There's no quitting here. I know where you live. You know what I mean? I'll come get you. You're going to, you're going to drive a truck with the last breathing thing I do and, and be successful at it. So, you know, it's, uh, that's who I am. And, and I think it's who I always was, but now that I have the means to actually help somebody, I mean, I've had people call me that, uh, I don't know if I should say this on radio, but I mean, I've had people call me and, you know, tell me their story of their life. And I tell them, you know, come on down. I'm going to help you out. And I don't charge them a nickel. And I put them through here. Um, and I don't mean like one or two people. I help who I can help. If, if it's at a good time when they come in, if I have the means to do it and I can handle it financially, I will walk you right through here and I won't charge you a nickel because I know that they can't afford it. I had a guy come here and, uh, you know, we let students make, make payments. Uh, they have to be paid in full before they can test, but while they're here. And this guy would just bring me, you know, $10, $5. And I would never, to me, $5 is $5, you know, and I take that serious. And uh, this went on for a little while. And finally, I he came in the office one day and I said, shut the door. And I said, uh, are you working at all? And he said, no, I collect unemployment. And I said, are you okay? And he said, not really. And I said, okay. I said, listen, and I don't remember what the balance was. It was, it was thousands. And I said, uh, today's your lucky day. I said, and I put a zero on his paper that he's paid in full and I handed it to him. And, and the guy just cried because he, he was going to do whatever he had to do $5 at a time to make this happen. And that hurt my heart. Do you know what I mean? He had three kids at home and, and, and I'm fortunate because I got to tell you, like I just had a kid graduate last month and he didn't have his balance. It was a thousand dollars and I don't normally do this, but something about him. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you test. I said, and you sleep at night knowing whether you're going to do the right thing or not. Cause it wasn't like he could, he was single and whatever. He just didn't have it. And I got to tell you something, he went and got a job and it had to be what, three weeks, about a month ago, I guess. And he must've been his first paycheck. And that kid came down here and dropped off a thousand dollars. I got to tell you, I don't think a lot of people, when they think about truck drivers, I don't think a lot of people, and maybe I shouldn't speak of them. I don't feel sentimental when I think about truck drivers. I think someone's just doing a job and it doesn't mean much, and they're just getting it done. They're the providing... most sensitive people out there. <laughs> there is so much love for truck drivers from 100%. you. Like, what is it about this job that has you feeling this way? Like, what is it? It's hard work, but it's rewarding work. You know, I mean, the bottom line is 
without trucks, this world don't work at all. You know, I don't know that people think about it every day, but you go to a gas station and you just take for granted that you get gas. Well, if trucks don't deliver gas to that gas station, there is no gas. Everyone takes it for granted. Everybody loves to go on Amazon and shop, okay? And they might see that little Amazon van pull in the yard, but that ain't how the stuff got to Amazon. We moved it in a tractor trailer. I want to know, as somebody who drives a car, uh, when I'm on the highway with trucks, I try to give them room. I've learned that I should not take that space that's in front of a truck in traffic because then I've just put myself in the squish. That's right. I put myself in the squish zone. What, if you could wave a magic wand, what would be different about the way that I drive that would make a trucker's life easier? Give us space. And if you're going to pass, pass us. They ride right in your blind spot or they ride alongside you. When you're going to pass a truck, pass them. When little kids do the honk your horn gesture, Always is that as so cute as it feels? <laughs> Always honk your horn. Always. That is, uh, that's 101. You always honk that horn. That's in the first that course makes, yes, at your school. That makes a kid's day. It puts a smile on their face and you never know what that kid's story is. You know what I mean? And you might have beeped that horn and that's going to be that kid's next career. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Do truckers wish that cars didn't share the road with them like there's a bike lane but for cars and then in a in a perfect world all highways would be only trucks i don't know i don't know what they all think what do you think what i want it (laughs) listen we all try to drive at night because nighttime is the right time and because there's less cars Yeah. yeah it is that nice was it nice during covid when nobody was on the road. Holy living Lord. It was almost like the roads were dead. I mean, there was nothing out there, nothing. And it was wild to be out on the road and there was nobody out there. So I think that one of the biggest problems that you're seeing now is texting, texting and driving you. When you got a car that's and you're watching them and they're a pain in your neck and they're all around the truck and, and they're in front of you and they're over here and they're breaking and they're doing all this nonsense. When you get up near them, they're texting. That is probably one of the biggest problems or the start of a big problem out there. They're texting with the with the phone in the wheel. I passed a lady. She had a novel, an actual book. And I don't mean a book with big letters. I'm talking a novel. A you paperback. Know, the big, yeah. Spread across her wheel. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And this is, to me, that's just an accident waiting for a place to happen. That's all that is. And so we... Tra- I see a lot out on the road um, and uh, texting, I, I would say, is a huge, huge, huge issue right now. Um, I, I preached it to my kid. It was my biggest fear. Don't ever think that you're going to get in that trioxal, not for one second. And even look at a text because that's all it takes. The blink of an eye and it changed your life and somebody else's forever. You know what I mean? And I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, that's 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 all I got to say about that is it, it'll change your life and wreck somebody else's life forever. As far as being a woman in this industry, is there anything that we missed or that you want to say and you didn't? I just want to make sure when we get out of this truck, you feel like you said everything on that that you could possibly say. Um, 
to somebody that's not in the trucking industry, they might look at it as a woman driver. To me, I don't see it that way. Do you get what I'm saying? So when I see a girl in a truck, I'm not, holy it's a woman. You know what I mean? I don't even think twice about it because I've been in it my whole life. It's all I know. So the answer is I I, I don't think I have anything different to say because we're out there doing a job just like anybody else. Michelle Howard, thank you for having me in your truck. You're welcome. <laughs> After the break, when you imagine a woman coming out in the trucking industry as trans, how do you think she'd be received? I was treated with the utmost respect. I was called by my chosen name and pronouns immediately, and I received no issues from anyone, office, or drivers. Well, huh. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. You're listening to the new investigative reporting podcast in absentia, which means you're interested in getting to the facts and uncovering the truth. If you'd like to help us continue our investigative work, consider making a donation. Visit ctpublic.org slash tap support and contribute today. That's ctpublic.org slash TAP support. Thank you for being a part of the Accountability Project. So, you've never donated to this station before? That's okay. Public Media Giving Days are a great time to make your first gift. Here's how. Give now at ctpublic.org slash donate. I'm Kyone Wolf. Life as a woman in the trucking industry is, in some ways, the same kind of life as any person of any gender driving a truck. Doesn't matter how you identify, you still gotta buckle up, set the course, and get from here to there safely and on time. But what if you are in this industry for 12 years and only recently ready to transition into the woman you really are? Hope Alexander talks about her transition, which she began just a year and a half ago, on her podcast Simply Live with Hope. I caught her when she and her dog Luna were out of the truck and on the couch, relaxing at home in Savannah, Georgia, for a short break from the road. She told me how she got into this kind of work. So I started driving in 2010 when the basically I lost everything and was at my rock bottom because of the economy in 2007 and 2008. And I borrowed some money from my parents to go to truck driving school. I was freshly divorced and it just was a good outlet for me to start driving at that time. And so that's what I did. And what kind of truck are you driving now? Um, so right now I'm doing flatbed, uh, and it's very new to me. I haul steel beams, steel coils, um, and, um, the remainder of my career as a driver was all doing refrigerated. So I was hauling food and beverage type products. What do they call that? Isn't that the, um, what's the name for that? Reefer. Reefer. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So I was always a reefer driver, but I never hauled reefer. (laughs) (laughs) no of course not in that interim though there was a the majority of the time i was a driver recruiter and eventually recruiting and marketing manager but i always continued to drive 
I got back into the driver's seat to get out of an abusive relationship after I came out as a trans woman. Tell me about coming out as a trans woman. So as I mentioned, I was a manager, actually a top level manager at the company when I came out. Um, So I was in the leadership role. And when I came out, I came out to the president of my company first and then my leadership team. And how long ago was this? A year and a half ago. Wow, that's recent. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) very recent. And I showed no signs of anybody that I was feminine or anything like that up up until that point. Um, In fact, it was very well buried in myself. Fortunately, everyone at my company received it very, very well. And I was treated with the utmost respect. I was called by my chosen name and pronouns immediately. And I received no issues from anyone, office or drivers. In fact, I have a good number of drivers from my old company. They're actually drivers that I hired because I was in the recruiting field at that point. So I hired them. But once I started driving, they would call me and check up on me and make sure that I was doing okay. You know, they know how it is for a woman, let alone a trans woman. And so I've got to this day, probably a dozen drivers that regularly call me just to see if I'm doing okay. And you know what I'm up to and where I am. And that sort of thing. So Okay, so the people listening to you cannot see my face right now, but you can, and it probably looks like I'm incredibly surprised, which is a projection of my beliefs and my impressions of the trucking industry. I figured it's hard for people who are transgender or gender nonconforming anywhere, and especially in the trucking industry, and you are saying that in your case, that couldn't be further from the truth. Were you surprised at how you were received? Yes. <laughs> And I think a lot of it has to do with attitude and the way that you present and hold yourself. And I have always just kept a positive attitude. And I I actually had another driver that I don't know personally that is a trans female. She said, well, I always just, you know, keep my head low. I go into the truck stop, do what I got to do. And I go back out and I don't talk to anybody. And I am completely the opposite. I smile at everyone and I talk to everyone. And my thought on it is that it's really hard for somebody to give someone a hard time when it's a stranger and they look at you in the eye and they say, hi, I hope you have a good day or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, who can be mean to somebody like that? I mean, there are people like that. that can be, But even the people that don't agree with me, will just smile at me and that's it. Have you ever felt afraid or self-conscious? Have you ever had an experience that was an exception to this rule? Yes. Um, About six months ago, I was using the ladies restroom at a Love's truck stop. And when I walked in, there was a lady, all the stalls were full. So I waited for a second. And then one of the ladies walked out of the stall. So then I walked into that stall I did my business. I came out and I was washing my hands. And while I was in there, she said, sir, sir. And I knew she was talking to me, but I just ignored her, sir. And then finally I turned around after I was done washing my hands and I was drying them. And she said, sir. And I said, I'm not a sir. And she said, and then she just basically got into a verbal argument with me in the restroom and then followed me through the store and continued to berate me. And it just turned really ugly. I actually videotaped it. I made a TikTok and 
it went viral. There, it's been seen millions of times. I don't care. I'm what a you're person. Talking. I'm just trying to go to the bathroom. But you head southwest toward Epps Mill Road. I am a female. No, you are. Not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. If, if that's your twisted way of thinking, that's how oh. you yeah. yeah, get out. I was in the restaurant. That moment in and of itself has made me afraid to use the restroom every time. And I have to use a public restroom every single day. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go to use the restroom. Yeah, it always strikes me as odd that um, people who are transphobic have issues about trans people using the bathroom when really it's so often the, the transphobic people who are the danger. Yeah, you know, and when I came around to it, it's like, you know, I don't know what she thought. Like I was did my business and was ready to leave. And she was the one that was stalking and harassing. So you've been transitioning for a year and a half, you said. Yes. How would you say that uh, people treat you differently now than a year and a half and a day ago? I think I'm treated a lot better. But I don't think it has anything to do with my gender, my gender expression, me being trans. I think it's because I'm happier and I'm more outgoing now. And so people want to be around me or they want to know me and talk to me, um, which I find remarkable because I dealt with so much social anxiety before and I have so much less of that now. I love to hear that. And at the same time, I I know from uh, one of your TikToks, you also make sure that you protect yourself. What are some ways that you protect yourself on the job? Well, certainly I make sure my doors are locked all the time. Um, I'm also always aware of my surroundings and my dog is with me. Which what kind of dog is, are we talking about? She's a Catahoula leopard hound. Cool. So she's got a lot of energy and is probably very attractive. She's lovable though. She's not vicious. But if you didn't know that, she sounds like she would tear you up if you come by the truck. I also carry a pepper spray with me. And then I have a non-lethal pistol, which basically it's a CO2 powered pistol that fires like a hard plastic bullet or a OC or pepper round. And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of firearms. So for me to carry a firearm, I would feel more dangerous having a firearm than I would without but this gives me the peace of mind that if I ever felt like I was in a position where I really needed one, it gives me something where I'm not going to kill somebody, but that it will allow me to get away. Maybe. I want to ask, you know, for those who want to get into the trucking industry, what advice you have, but really more specifically for people who are trans, who are interested and, and drawn to this idea and maybe have some of the same assumptions that I had going into this interview that, it's not a welcoming place and it's going to be full of challenges and difficulties and hardships. What would you say to them? This is an amazing opportunity for equal opportunity employment. I say that 100% because I've been on both sides. I've been in the managerial end of things and I've also been on the driver end of things. And women, as far as pay and you know, being able to move up in, in the roles, are not treated any differently than men. 
Um, there definitely is some stigma yet with women, but women are taking their place in the trucking industry. I see way more women in driver's seats now than I did when I started in 2010. It actually blows me away how many women I see in the driver's seat. So have you ever driven through Connecticut? I have. The only one yes. I haven't made is Maine. I haven't made to Maine. Oh, I want that for you. Maine is beautiful. I was so close. I was within like 10 miles one time and I just, I couldn't, I wanted to just go out a route and I could have, but I would have made, I would have been late. So I couldn't do it. It's the only state I've never been in. I mean, it's, you know, in the contiguous 48 personally or in a truck, but in a truck I've been in 47. So <laughs> I took my truck to Meteor Crater out in the middle of the desert in Arizona, and and uh, I had a layover in Seattle, so I went to Fisherman's Wharf, and I took my kids on the road. I have uh, a 21-year-old daughter and a 25-year-old son, and when they were younger, they each stayed in the truck with me for three weeks at a time during the summer, and we went to some really cool places and did, saw some cool things together, so... Well, Hope Alexander, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. We'll have a link to all our guests at ctpublic.org slash audacious. I want to do an especially loud shout out to our producer, Jessica Severin Martinez. It turns out truck drivers are not eager to have public radio hosts in their cab. And Jessica worked for months to find today's guests. If it wasn't for her persistence and care to make them feel comfortable saying yes to us, well, this episode wouldn't have been nearly as awesome. So I can confirm that Jessica is a cross between the Transformers characters Optimus Prime, who's a leader, Cliff Jumper, whose attitude is Lemmy Adam, and Prowl, who will keep at a task for as long as it takes. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks to the other folks who helped drive, maintain, and polish this beautiful, big, audacious truck, Khalil Rahman, Meg Fitzgerald, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Speaking of transportation and movement, check out the show we did about messages and bottles, including one story about the discovery of a bottle that was thrown from the Titanic, and another bottle that traveled through time and space to bring two parents a message from their long-deceased son. That episode and so many more amazing stories can be heard everywhere you get your podcasts. Just look us up, subscribe, rate, and like a box truck unloading its goodies, share, share, share. Send me your reactions, show ideas, and safe driving tips on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wolf, or send an email to audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for listening. And keep on trucking. And I can't wait to get on the road again.